Hi, I'm Betsy Beers. I'm the executive producer of Grey's Anatomy Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder. And this is Shondaland Revealed, the official Shondaland podcast for the evening we like to call respectfully TGIT. Thank God it's Thursday, or thank gosh it's Thursday, if you want to say it that way, that's a way of going. And um, today, one of my favorite people legitimately in the world to whom I owe a gigantic debt of gratitude for walking in the office several years ago, because as a result, I have a happy job. And he's one of the reasons I have a gigantically happy job, Pete Nowak, who of course created um, How to Get Away with Murder. And he also is the executive producer of How to Get Away with Murder, just to give you both titles, which is very important. And Pete actually makes my life phenomenal pleasant because he works two floors three floors up three floors up yeah two plus three equals five (laughs) thank you so much the fifth floor yes that's great i can can we get through the alphabet when we're done with with numbers because clearly i'm not that good Um, but one of my favorite things to do as you guys might or may not know is go upstairs and lie on pete's sofa which is one of my tricks at this point because you used to come down here and lie on my sofa so now i go upstairs and lie on your sofa right and pretty much right now i'm I'm half lying down. I'm prone on your sofa right now. It's my only comfortable position. I go to Shauna's office and I I kind of like sit in her swivel chair. Not, you can't lay down in that chair. No, it's a little bit more like a talk show chair. Yes, exactly. It's like you're sitting and you're kind of swiveling a little bit, but it it doesn't have the same effect as the full prone position (laughs) that I think we both actually prefer. In each other's offices. In each other's offices, exactly. Because I don't lie down in this office, truthfully. No. I just lie down in your office. You're the therapist in this office. See, and I go upstairs and you're the therapist. I lie down on your sofa. So I guess enough of the lying down on sofa conversation. Pete today is sporting his Johnny Cash look. He's all dressed in black and he's got a black uh, long sleeve sort of shirt From on. James Purse. It is a James Purse shirt. It's mm-hmm. very nice. I didn't realize this would be a fashion review it as is. well. It is. Exactly. I love my James Purse. I have several of those shirts myself and my husband, Bruce, loves James Purse and has many of his items. But you have a peppy other colored t-shirt in there, sort of a light yep. blue. Uh, yep. A white t-shirt a white, white, with a black see. t-shirt. And then I'm wearing some green Nikes. That that I bought when we made the pilot in Philadelphia. That's right, because I remember when you yeah. bought them and I was very impressed with your new shoes. Yeah, I'm still wearing them two years later. But by the okay? way, you've kept them in very good condition. They're kind of greed suede, you guys. Yes. And he's wearing some black, uh, are those blue? Blue jeans. They're blue jeans, but they're mm-hmm. dark blue jeans. Yes. Okay, so not only is my spelling <laughs> and my numerical ability going, but clearly my eyesight's failing today, I'm too. a little worried, but it's, we can move on. You should be a little bit worried. Wait a second. Who are you again? <laughs> Hi, I'm Betsy. It's really nice to meet you. Um, okay, so we're here to talk about one of my favorite episodes of this television show, I have to say. It's good, right? Oh, my holy God. I, like... This episode, you think it's going in one direction because it starts and it's all kind of weird with that, like, Oliver's and with those spilt milk. And I love the don't cry over spilt milk joke where I'm like, come on. I love nothing more than a visual pun. Not even intentional. Sometimes, like, the gods just provide for you and you realize, oh, there's spilled milk. It's so good. And the close of the spilled milk. And then, and so you're sort of in this space, but then this whole thing gets so crazy balls weird between the fact that they realize that Sinclair has put it a bug, a bug in, the, in the house, which actually I have to say maybe my favorite thing about the episode Which is not a gigantic plot point is all of them fake talking around the microphones after they realize that they've been bugged and the amazing triumph of Asher Millstone who apparently Redeemed himself he re- a little bit. He this did week. redeem himself. And he did. did a little jig in the meantime a 12-minute jig <laughs> By the way that jig went on for 
oh, it's probably like three minutes long in the dailies. I wanted to put it all in, but they won't give us the commercial space. Hear that, ABC? <laughs> you could have had a 12-minute jig from Asher Millstone, but you decided not to go for it. Um, but there, everybody's in this real crisis place because you figure Bonnie's nowhere to be seen, which is a little bit worrisome. Yeah, but last we saw Bonnie, she's crying in the shower. She's crying in the shower. Some dark, dark stuff there. And then Nate's in a dark space, but Nate has sort of figured out a way to work out his darkness by doing other slightly corrupt things. Exactly. Like, he, well, first he gets drunk. Hello, I can relate to that. And then, like, who else do you want to go visit when you're really drunk and angry but the person you're really angry at the most? Annalise. Makes sense. Um, but she points out very rightly that he has very conflicted emotions about exactly. that, clearly. He's given some mixed messages. I did see he was very giving some mixed messages. Mm -hmm. But she gets all chased on his ass and makes him sleep on the she sofa. She does. She reads him. And then there's the whole Caleb and Catherine of it all, because those two, those two are just flip-flopping back like there's no tomorrow. They are enigmas, the Hapstall siblings. Wrapped in a bit of an enigma yeah. as well, an enigma within an enigma. Trying to protect each other, or are they or, trying to double-cross each other? The whole thing has become incredibly weird, and I'm a little worried about Michaela, because I think she's gotten, gotten sucked into another situation. I know. She does not, God bless Michaela and her cotton socks, I just feel like the choice of dudes is just questionable. Well, she's not choosing them as much as they're choosing her. Like, I don't think she's making bad decisions. I think you're right. I think she just has some bad luck. I, I agree. I think she probably should have followed her instinct, though, which is someone, if someone either has a record or is even vaguely accused of murder. Mm -hmm. But at the same point, I think she can identify. So maybe it's like meets like. And she also picked the perfect guy in Aiden. She chose Mr. Perfect, and he turned out not to be that great and possibly gay. So Could you know be. what? She's like, you know what? I have to try other things. Maybe I date a criminal or two. You know what? I think we all need to have open minds, you yeah. guys. I think every once in a while, a friend of mine who's single says, doesn't your husband know anybody who might be really good for him and of course my husband is a criminal defense attorney so most of them are actually in the slammer and I'm <laughs> not totally sure that of course he's a good criminal defense attorney so those aren't his clients because right. his clients are roaming free but I think that it's it's hard to meet a, a good dude or a good lady out there so that's why Bruce will never set me up I guess right oh yeah you don't you don't mm. want to drive down that turnpike no. trust me um and how weird is poor Philip Oh, poor Philip. I feel so bad when he says, you know, essentially, I'm sure that people are trying to steal my points. I know. My heart World just breaks. World of Warcraft. I know. It's just like, even for like a Luddite who can't count or add. And I barely even know what World of Warcraft is. I was so upset. I love when he says, I know you all think I'm weird. People have told me that my whole life. I think that actor, Jefferson White, so I believe good. his name is super good. He's so good. He really and found the pain. My favorite weird detail and just... Big props for props is the straw, which has been chewed within an inch of its life, which I really loved. We were just like, well, that was such a great detail. It wasn't just a straw, the straw he chewed, chewed on to the point where the straw was practically bleeding. And then the selfie, what's that about? That weird selfie that Annalise just sends after Bonnie kind of screams at her. Well, she sends it to her mom and I think She's at a low point. I think both Bonnie and Annalise at the beginning of the episode are at a real emotional low. They're each other's person in an odd way. They have a mother-daughter relationship to each other. So I think it makes sense why Annalise would find herself thinking about her mother when she's lost her surrogate daughter. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I also think, look, the last time things got super bad for Annalise, she called her mother yeah. and her mother came and it shows told her the story of the house burning down. Because <laughs> I don't think if you really want an uplifting experience, you call 
Annalise's mom, but... No, but I think Annalise sending a selfie of her hair done the way it's done to her mother says a lot about just how lonely she is in that moment and what she needs. But she's not going to call her mom because, again, yeah, that's going to be a lot. But that is a big step for Annalise just to send that text message. Yeah, I love the moment because it's super incongruous. But that's the thing. You get to the end of this episode and you realize that Philip has one of Catherine's paintings. paintings. And that is one of the freaking creepiest, craziest things. I just... Her portraits of the perfect family. That also, that conversation that she and Wes have in that room filled with her paintings. I know. Which is like the weirdest thing. And then she gives Wes a painting, (laughs) which is a mixed race family. She clearly is projecting onto people what they want and like wanting to give them their perfect family. What's weird about Catherine too, and I think the actress Amy Okuda is really good because you can tell nothing. All she, she seems worried and concerned and freaked out, but none of it is presented in no. her incredibly polite face and her perfectly groomed, like everything she's perfectly- Tailored. She's a very good actress. Yeah, I love that she's, she has a great poker face. Oh. She's hiding everything, but she gets emotional at the right times and seems caring at the other times. And we don't really know who is the real Catherine. Oh, I bet we're going to find out soon. We will. We will I find hope out so. Soon. Yeah. See? Okay. So on that topic, actually, how did you come up with the idea of the half stall case? We love the idea about money. Money's so coming great. up with the really wealthy family and it's really fun to see wealthy people oh completely like we love this idea of a great mansion and we found this great real house to shoot in in La Cañada. So we started Shout there. Shout out to La Cañada, you guys. And I think we were a little bit inspired by the Menendez brothers case, which felt full of secrets and, you know, really the theme of the show, like what happens behind closed doors, what do people present in public, their very smiley, happy family portrait face um, versus what's really going on behind closed doors. And as we found out in this episode, Catherine and Caleb's father had a lot of secrets because he's been sleeping or had been sleeping with his sister, Aunt Helena, as those really rich people and very wealthy families do in my imagination. When that gets revealed, it's so super creepy. So what's the biggest difference for you now we're in the second season as opposed to the first season? You know, the first season we had this built-in drama in Annalise's personal life with her husband being a possible murderer and sleeping around on her. The big challenge and what's different about writing the show this year is Annalise is a single lady. And so it's like, you know, how does her life move on from here and how do we still create that same level of drama and I hope we've done it it's been really fun for me because it's been a challenge to to come up with who Annalise is alone and I feel like there's not that many tv shows where you see people be alone like the main character you so rarely get to watch a thought process that isn't being fully articulated to somebody else because almost all behavior in these things are reactive as opposed to really feeling like real and you figure most of us make a lot of our decisions in our head. Before we walk into the room and talk to everyone about it. Exactly. This show actually does have a lot more time with Viola's Annalise staring at things and thinking about God love Viola because she can tell you a story with her her eyes. I can just watch her stare at things for hours and it's great. We have a lot more of that coming up too. (laughs) Sneak peek. Now, where do you get the inspiration when you're trying to figure out what direction you're going to take story? For me, the thing that excites me the most is when I'm shocked, when I'm titillated and it doesn't make any sense and we have to figure out a way for it to make sense. Because if I can surprise myself, then it feels fun. Then I know it will surprise the audience. Mm -hmm. But if things feel kind of expected or if that was like something 
that you just like instantly go to. It's your instinct to go, oh, that's where the story is going to go. That bores me. For example, you know, we knew at the end of the last episode that Philip was in Oliver's apartment. Didn't have any idea where that would go. And for a while, we talked about it with the writers about like, well, obviously he's kidnapped or obviously Philip took them somewhere and did something different. So the inspiration to have them go to the soup, soup palace or something like that <laughs> is what felt surprising and different and maybe unexpected. And that felt very unexpected to have them both show up together at the end of the first commercial break. Then I was, I was in because I didn't understand it. Yeah, that is an amazing moment because it's both, it's great because it deflates everything, but it doesn't deflate everything because there must be something worse coming. In a weird way, you always have a feeling, I always have this feeling with the show that whatever's happening is just delaying the inevitable, which is worse. <laughs> but you think it's going to happen. You keep thinking it's going to happen and then it doesn't happen. And then it happens at this point where you were like, I, I just, I did not expect that at all. Right. And I think with our viewers being so savvy and smart, they expect things to happen a certain way. So it's our job to circumvent those expectations. Yeah. And mine too. So it's like backing yourselves into a corner that doesn't make any sense and then coming up with the worst option. And <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite things about the job is actually every once in a while, you'll tell me what you're thinking or what's going to happen. And it's always like, I remember when you told me about Bonnie's backstory, it was like, oh my God. I do run those things by you too. Well, it's mainly to see if I like start jumping up and down yeah. and clapping my hands. <laughs> or if you're like, you can't do that. That's terrible. I don't think I've ever said that. You've guided me away from some bad ideas, but I like it when you jump up and down better. Jumping up and down, and usually the more outrageous, the more I jump up and down, because we're seemingly outrageous, but it's always inter it's always like integral to character. It's always something that makes sense based on character. It also feels to me like you get a lot from watching the interaction of characters and watching how the actors interpret what it is you're doing, because completely, I've seen all these things sort of change and grow based on relationships that started to foment that I never would have thought would have taken place. I was telling this to Liza the other day, who plays Bonnie, that Bonnie is the one character who's nothing like who I expected her to be when I wrote the pilot. She doesn't resemble her at all in the most exciting way. And I think it's mostly because we cast Liza and she instantly brought like a kind of twisted, dark pain to the role that I always felt like she'd be a little bit more bubbly. <laughs> Um, so that's when, and every actor does it, it's true, like, you know, Asia and Jack are so good together, so we write towards their chemistry. But yeah, a lot of this job is watching what the actors do with the roles and then finding fun ways to play with that. You know, I also feel that way weirdly about Wes and Laurel. Like, I never, gun to my head when we first started this, I never would have gone, oh, Wes and Laurel are really fun to watch together. But every time Wes and Laurel go off, there's this weird kind of family relationship that they seem to have. I agree. I think they really have a strong sense of empathy for each other. And I like that in the show because it's, you know, everyone's hard and everyone's kind of mean to each other and fighting for space. And here are two people who kind of feel for each other just on a very instinctive level. Totally. We haven't showed tons of it, but I agree. That's another relationship I want to keep exploring. I also look, Connor and Oliver, just a source of endless delight anyway. Oh, joy, pure joy. Like they're just... And well, let's give like us some credit too because everyone thought we were going to kill off Oliver that's all right now that's all the tweets I'm getting from you people is we're going <laughs> to kill Oliver don't kill Oliver we'll stop watching the show someone even tweeted me an emoji of a gun would not so cool that's not okay but you guys put the emoji of the gun so now away. you can put it away because Oliver's fine we like Oliver too much yeah I remember the, it, it came up as a topic and it was roundly agreed that, that there was no way in hell anybody was killing Oliver no we know all of you would stop watching the show we know. 
I would. <laughs> I would. And I'm the executive producer of the show. And I would be like, I'd be all pissed off. Colliver is like one of my favorite things ever in like the history of relationships in television because there's something basically comic about the two of them. They're Espe- not a couple. They're such an odd couple, but also it's like him taking a meat cleaver to his computer. <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> but I was like, and Oliver's really upset because he loves that computer. He loves all that this, computer. All this information on it, and he oh. felt so bad. They're just they're they're super 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 adorable. And, and another then, example of a relationship we never thought would happen. Oliver was a guest star in the pilot. Guest star in the pilot. I remember we were in that weird restaurant. We were in space. that restaurant space where we shot that. And you, I turned around in Video Village and I looked at Betsy, and she had this big smile on her face, just watching Conrad perform. He was so good. <laughs> He was so good. We did this bar we'd nev- scene. Yeah, we'd never met him before. No, we cast him out Over of town, right? Yeah. yeah. From the moment he started, I just thought he was the. Cu- I thought the two of them were just the cutest. They had things really ever. good chemistry from the first first second, which was such a relief because you never know how these scenes are gonna go. Pilots are terrifying, anyway. Yeah, you only have like an hour or two to shoot those you things. Don't have to do anything. Yeah, and then look what blossoms. See, Oliver. It's great. Okay, so now we're gonna do fan questions because. Hopefully there'll be no, are there any gun emojis? Let me just check my list. No, everybody seems that to be. That gets you banned from the question list. It does. Bans. Okay, Julia wants to know from Musigate, will we see flashbacks to see how Bonnie and Annalise came together? I'm not promising anything because we have a lot more to write this season. But yes, it's my goal and my dream that we see flashbacks of the two of them. Um, and can you describe, uh, George at IBeep team wants to know, can you describe the winter finale in one word? Bananas. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Or, I've said that before maybe, I'll give a new one. Operatic. Is that the right way to say that? It's fraught, yeah. Yes, it's fraught. (laughs) It's definitely larger than life, and it's impossible to tear your eyes away. So I'm just going to encourage everyone, do not leave your television set next Thursday night, because you got a lot of good TV to watch. George also wants to know, are we going to learn more about Frank and what he owes Sam? Yes, that is something I can tell you that will happen. That was the end of last season. We left you all with this big question mark, so it's up to us to answer that. And we have an answer, and it's quite shocking. Do, 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 I can do, 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 do. what it is. Um, I'll tell you right now. Okay. No. <laughs> Charlie Weber's fans, a Charlie Weber fan wants to know, what was your inspiration growing up? Charlie Weber. No. <laughs> My inspiration growing up, you know what book I always think about, and it's kind of appropriate since we're talking about the show, is Lord of the Flies. That was like a book that I read when I was really young like maybe in fifth grade, we were, on, we were on a beach vacation and I always hated taking off my shirt so I would like read all the time, like inside the house, <laughs> little tidbit. Um, but I read Lord of the Flies and I just loved the idea of like these young kids who are like about my age then, like getting stuck on an island and being mature and then going dark. So I think I always had like an, an interest in kind of reading stories that were dark because my life is quite light and nice. Were there any movies you remembered from that period too that were gigantic influence on you? My favorite movie, which is kind of similar growing up, was Empire of the Sun by Steven Spielberg, starring a young Christian Bale. Um, so I loved like- that was Christian Bale. Yeah, like little, like young kids, like lost in an adult world, I guess. Very interesting. Yeah, just putting it together. See, this is a therapist couch, people. It's awesome. You can pay me the $250 <laughs> after you leave. Yes, in Los Angeles, therapy, you guys, is really expensive here. Yeah. Beatrice Garrio at Beatrice312 wants to know, what character do you relate to the most and why? I'd say all of the students are a little bit part of me, but I think the character that I relate to the most in certain ways is Laurel. That's always the one that pops up for me. 
I think I've always liked to be more in the sidelines and like watching people and observing. I think she has this feeling, and it came out in the last episode, um, of being underestimated. And I think that was always something that I felt growing up. I definitely don't feel that anymore. I'm very lucky. People give me, like Betsy, a lot of nice things, like a show to play with. Which you've earned <laughs> the right to have. Yes. But um, I think, you know, growing up, I felt I definitely related to the feeling of Laurel, just feeling like people need to see her as having a lot of potential or more than, than rather than just passing her by. Because Laurel, that was the whole point of the beginning of last season, too, was that nobody took her seriously because there she didn't present herself. There was a lot of loud herself. people around yeah. her, and she was quieter. And, you know, I think a lot of people on the, watching the show were like, who is that? And what's her name? Is it Lauren or is it Laurel? And we still play with that. But I think that was always the intention is to show the real growth of someone come out of their shell. So have you read either of those? There are a couple of books out about being quiet and not being loud. And have you read either of those? There's one called Quiet and then there's another one. I have not read them, but my best friend did read them. So I felt like I've read them. <laughs> but one is called Quiet. And yep. it's about how most of us are introverts, I believe. Yeah. Right now, our world doesn't really value introverts as much as it used to. I haven't read it though, so I might be making that all up. But it's no, on, that's exactly it's what I'm talking about too. Yeah, I want to read it too. That and Thinking Fast and Slow, which is another one about like thought processes and how sometimes I clearly today I'm thinking slow. <laughs> today is a slow day for Betsy's thinking, I think probably. So, do you ever incorporate personal stories into your plot lines? Candy Washington at Candy Washington wants to know. Well, let's think about this, Candy. Mm, let's think about this. So, when was the last time you killed someone, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's always something personal. I think to write characters, they always have to, you have to understand them from a very personal place. That's why I say like a lot of the students, maybe even all of the characters kind of, I relate to in some way. I've always been the Oliver. I'm trying to think of Connor and Oliver. If I've been on the date, but I'm the Oliver. Or that's how I like to think of myself. So maybe a lot of their stuff comes from like weird dates I've been on. <laughs> that's, well, you know what I'm gonna say? You're using it for good. Like every weird date, I feel like. It's that's research. It, so do you think that um, Eve Rothlow at Teddy Altman wants to know, will we ever learn more about Annalise and Eve's past? We have a few very major Eve fans here too. I love that we have some Eve fans. How good is Famka? Oh, she's so good. We will learn more about Annalise and Eve past. Yes. I think you will, right? I definitely want to. And Teddy Alt-Delete at Seriously Crowen wants to know, do you wish the show could have 20-something episodes per season or do you prefer a shorter season? I can answer this. Hells no. We're writing episode 10 right now. It starts shooting on Monday. Yes, we're still writing it. Don't be mean. And it's hard. What Shonda does is crazy and very impressive. So I love our 15 episodes. I would even be happy if there were 10. <laughs> or maybe two. Two a season would be great. <laughs> But then we wouldn't be here and talking to all you lovely people. So um, Ida Busk at Bugs wants to know, if you could be a client of OPA or AK, what kind of case or crime would you like it to be if you were the client? If I was the client, I'd want it to be like I had too much money and they had to help me figure out how to spend it. I guess that's more of an Olivia. Like I, Olivia would help me figure out how to spend it in a way that like made me look generous. Because I just have so many, and maybe I have like a ton of wishes to give out too. <laughs> so, you know, you'd be sort of looking for, you'd be looking for a 
a foundation consultant in yes. a way. You'd be going yeah. for foundation consultancy and the public relations aspect that that would imply. Yeah. It would never, that case would not make it to air because it would be, there would be no conflict. <laughs> I would have done nothing bad. I just would be giving the world all the peace and love and money it needs. Um, Bobblehead lives who, God knows we love Bobblehead. Hey, Bobblehead. Um, okay, so this question. So you have to MacGyver something from objects in front of you to help Betsy escape her office. What do you make? So we're trapped in the office. How do we get out of the office? What do we make? Oh my goodness, bobblehead. I know, bobblehead comes up with the well, most imaginative questions. There's a plant next to Betsy. So you know what? I would be really just happy to be stuck in this office and we could eat the plant by the way, to survive. By the way, there's a gigantic bar in this office, you That's guys. That's what I'm saying. I think bobblehead, it would probably take us about five years before we get bored because <laughs> right now there is an internet connection too. So we could watch some Netflix. <laughs> Right now, I'm Somebody really could liking... stick some very thin food under the door. We wouldn't even, like I'm telling you, we could eat those, we could take one leaf a day it's true. and get our greens. We could as do long that. as there's liquor. I just have to go and buy another bottle of tequila in case we get stuck in the office. Yes. So it's Kim Bitch wants to know finally, what is the best part of being part of the crazy TGIT ride? Like a question like that makes you realize, oh, we should appreciate this. But um, I think it's mostly we get to be around a lot of fun people. I mean, listen to Betsy. She's the one who I had my first meeting with in Shondaland. So she's the reason why I'm here. And we just have a good time. It feels like we're hanging out. It always does. That's a great... With we, a friend. And we not... got to go on this thing where we went to Cannes. Oh, we went to France, people. France, they people. took us to France. They did. They to publicize the show, basically, for this panel. Like, we had the best time because we hadn't actually gotten to hang out that much since the pilot. Because... The pilot, all we did was eat. All we did was went, went to I mean, this we wonderful restaurant. we shot the pilot, but we would just go eat like every night. Like we had a really good time, so we actually got to go out and eat in France. We were in, in France, France too. I mean, there's a lot of fun things that happen. It's a lot of hard work. Like this weekend, all I did was work and I wanted to cry the whole time. Yeah. But that, now I'm sitting here and I'm having fun. And maybe, Bobblehead, what you're saying in terms of being trapped in the office, maybe that's truer than you know. I know. It's like the Hotel California. I think we voluntarily trapped ourselves. We checked in but there's no time you can leave. It's true. <laughs> um, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. This is really fun. Super, super busy, but this is like the vacation, and little vacation in a box for me, because now I have to go back to normal stuff, but at least we got to like hang out, which is super good. Okay, so we've got our winter finales on Thursday, November 19th, which is kind of nuts. It happened so fast. It really happened fast. And then we're gonna be off for some period of time that I don't know yet. Which means watch it again on repeats. It, there's so many things, if you look at it again, there's so many things you probably missed the first time around, and the only reason I'm gonna say this is because very often we watch these episodes more than once, and also, so you can take the time to look at the amazing work that our crews do. They work so hard. Sometimes there's an outfit that I just realize I just want that for me. <laughs> or there's an amazing piece of set design. Or And you don't notice it first time around because they're doing their jobs really well so it doesn't stand out. But when you really look at the details, everybody's working incredibly hard. One of my favorite things that Pete has ever tweeted was Oliver's lists of bad things that Connor might have done. Yes, let's give credit to who wrote that list. Um, that's our script coordinator, Cole Fowler, and he just came up with that and emailed to me. I was like, looks great. And then you guys, I didn't even read it that quickly. And so until I tweeted it out and then I saw wildlife smuggling. Wildlife smuggling, you guys. One of the best horrible things that Connor could have done. Yes. I and mean, then I became obsessed with wildlife smuggling as something that actually Oliver would have thought about. That was super in character and we got to give Cole some credit there. Oh, Cole, thank yeah. you for that because that was great. But it's a perfect example of things you might notice. Okay, the winter finale of Grey's Anatomy 
behind me is called Things We Lost in the Fire. I think you can kind of guess from the title, possibly, what the major crisis might be at Seattle Grace, but you're going to have to tune in. And there's some amazing things that happen in this episode, which are going to have gigantic ramifications for the characters, because you guys, it's a Grey's Anatomy winter finale. So we've left everybody in super, super crisis places. I mean, Jackson, like, what is ja- what are Jackson and April going to do? I don't know what the hell's going on with this, like, Nathan Riggs dude. There's the whole deal with Owen. It's a mess. So you guys, like, have to check it out. It's pretty intense. That's Thursday, November 19th at 8 o'clock on ABC. Scandal is called Baby It's Cold Outside. You've got to see this episode because this episode is, it's amazing. You got to watch it. And I know I say that every week, but really, you got to watch this. You just do. I'm going to watch it live. You're going to watch it. We're going to watch it. Thursday, November 19th at 9 o'clock on ABC. And the crazy balls operatic winter finale of How to Get Away with Murder. And it is so appropriately called What Did We Do? What which, the heck did they what, do? What did they do? You're going to find out what they did, which is the best part about it. That is Thursday, November 19th at 10 o'clock on ABC. And please remember that you can always get caught up or rewatch on ABC.com or the Watch ABC app. And I'm really hoping ABC just shows reruns of the shows, too, because sometimes they do that over the break. So many thanks to EW.com for posting an exclusive first listen of the podcast every Thursday night. We really appreciate it, EW. And it's a great way to continue the great experience of watching after you finish. And don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes.com backslash Shondaland, where you'll get a new podcast episode available Friday evenings. We'll be back next week for one more new Shondaland Revealed podcast before we go on our winter break. In the meantime, stay safe, stay warm if you're in a cold place, stay cold if you're in a warm place, and I'll talk to you next week. This is Betsy Beers. Bye-bye.